The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, a special Saturday podcast with Christopher Cooley uh, on this Saturday morning. Um, Really, the primary reason for this podcast is to get Cooley's thoughts on the quarterbacks, but specifically the quarterbacks that came into Washington football team news view uh, this week with the Mike Lombardi report that Washington is going to be the team that's going to unload all of their picks to try to get a quarterback. And he said, quote, I think they love Lance. I don't think. I know Washington loves Lance. I think they're willing to go get him, closed quote. He went on to sort of describe that it would be a draft day thing, that if you know the 49ers indeed took Mac Jones at number three and the Falcons you know, took, let's just say, Kyle Pitts at four, and then you had Cincinnati and Miami, and all of a sudden Lance made it to seven or eight or nine, and it was much more feasible for Washington to move up, say, 12 spots or 11 spots or somewhere in that neighborhood that he believes they're going to do it. I'm going to mention this one thing before I'm going to let Cooley weigh in, and that is I said the other day on the podcast that, you know, in making a a few calls, I got back nothing. Usually I will get back something like you're on the right track or you're not on the right track. I got back nothing. I actually believe, Cooley, that my opinion on them, which was they're done at quarterback, they're not going to go for a quarterback. Um, They have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick because they didn't get Matt Stafford, because they didn't get something, something else in free agency or via trade that they may have had some interest in, and they don't think they can get the guy even if they like a guy in the draft. I thought they were done. My opinion is changing. I think if there is a guy that they're in love with, they may be aggressive on draft night. And if they do love a guy and they are aggressive on draft night, I personally don't have a problem with that at all. Your take. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. I I think this was my take a month ago when they sent Fitzpatrick, that they might not be done. Yes, you did say that. And you said, no. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fitzpatrick. The more I've thought about this over the last month, the more I think it's it's funny how excited people are about Fitzpatrick. 
not that I don't think he can play, just the idea that it's Washington. It's a storied franchise, and they're going to feed you a 41-year-old quarterback that's a two-year fix. Like, here's the deal. We're, we're going to be good, and everyone's going to eat it up. <laughs> like, that's never happened before. <laughs> They're so desperate for a winner. <laughs> uh, uh, well, <clears throat> I'm excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick, not because he's the future of the quarterback, but just simply because I think he's the best thing they've had for five or six he years. He probably is. And they're not done. I don't think they would be done, but I don't think they're going to get any of these dudes that they want. Right. I don't. I don't think they're going to get Trey Lance. Uh, they're definitely not getting Trevor Lawrence, and they're definitely not getting the BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. So now I think you're deciding if you like Mac Jones or if you like Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. I, I'm. I'm so torn on this Mac Jones thing to San Francisco at number three. Um, do they really believe that somebody else was going to take Mac Jones at three? They have to go all the way up to three. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure on it yet. I, I think Mac Jones can can really play, and I understand he can really process. And I don't think he's as bad as of an athlete as, as people make it out to be. Uh, he's not the best athlete of these quarterbacks, but in terms of being able to move around, he's, he's fine. He's not. He doesn't have the best arm, but it's it's fine. And he's not Chad Pennington. So, but but that said, I just don't know, Kev, if they're going up to number three to take Mac Jones. I, I the more I watch Trey Lance, I think they went up to three to take Trey Lance. Really. That, there have been people – it's funny to watch just all of the mock drafters. You know, there are just so many of them now. I mean, CBSSports.com, I think, has like eight guys. Like every day they put out a new mock draft by somebody else. You know, it's Ryan Wilson or Josh Edwards or Chris Trapasso or whatever the dude's name is. And one day it's Mac Jones. The next day it's Trey Lance. I actually saw recently a Justin Fields to the Jets – and a Trey Lance to the 49ers. You know, the only reason they would go up to number three to get Mac Jones is because they could, you know, they, they weren't going to be able to go up. They were afraid somebody else was going to go up to number three to take right. somebody else, and then they weren't going to be able to deal until, you know, Detroit and Carolina were already, you know, quarterbacked in and Mac Jones was gone. I mean, they had to go, well, Cooley. If you go up to number three and you trade what they traded to go up to number three, it has to be more than just Mac Jones, right? There, if you if you knew that Trevor Lawrence was going one, and then there are four guys left, you basically had to be convinced that three of them, you know, three of them were going to fall to you, and that there were three of them that you loved, and so you know, that not the, really. Your former defensive coordinator, Sala, went, and a lot of your staff went to the Jets. They're going to tell you who they're going to take it to. I understand. So you know who you're going to get at three. Lawrence is going one, and I think they're going to tell you, essentially, that Zach Wilson is going to go two to the Jets. I Actually, in watching Zach Wilson, I think he should go two. 
probably the most sure thing at two. He had a heck of a year at BYU. He completed like 74% of his passes. Through 28 touchdowns, three picks. He had a pretty good junior year. He was just banged up a little bit. I mean, Zach Wilson can legit play. I don't know if I think he's a better true prospect than I think Trey Lance is, who's also not played that many games. And then you look at Mac Jones, who has also not played that many games. <laughs> so, I mean, you're taking what you think more short thing at two versus probably better overall prospect in Lance, which would be the guy I think will go three. By the way, I guess what I was meaning to say is that the 49ers going up to that spot, they had to feel like one of the other three or four, and I think you're right, they knew that the, that Wilson would go two to the Jets or had a sense of who the Jets would take, that they had to feel really strongly about any of those guys. You know? No, oh, yeah, yeah. The they question feel strongly is, about Mac Jones or they feel strongly about Trey Lance. You, one of the two they feel strongly about. You don't think it's Justin Fields? I don't, no. Not at three. I don't think that's a, that's where San Francisco feels strongly. You know, now now you talk about um, what it would take for Washington on draft night if their guy and what. First of all, we don't know what you just brought it up, and I and I'm I'm with you on this. Even though my first reaction when San Francisco made the trade was, oh my god, I can only imagine how much Kyle and Mike love Mac Jones. Everything about him, smart. Mm-hmm processes quickly, throws with anticipation, all of those things. Um, But, you know, they might feel that way about Trey Lance. Here's what I said about Trey Lance. Before we get to you talking about these quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones in particular, um, the, the three potentials that Washington could potentially, if, you know, uh, two of those three, after whomever San Francisco takes at three, starts to fall into an area that might be might be gettable. Um, I just don't know how you're confident about Trey Lance. This is what I was telling you either earlier this week or Tommy the other day. I forget which podcast it was on, but... All I've been able to do as a college football fan is just watch all of these videos of him on YouTube, all of the video montages, and he looks really good. You know, he's elusive, he's quick, he's fast, he can make every throw. All of those things are all true. He played 17 games, period, at the highest level of FCS, and they were the dominant team. He only averaged 18 pass attempts a game the year they won the national championship when he started 16 games because more often than not, they had massive leads. Now, those leads were generated, you know, you know, due in part to his performances, you know, whether it was as a thrower or a runner. He rushed for over 1,100 yards. I think that 28 touchdown, zero interception thing was a real you know, uh, an incredible selling point. I mean, that would have been the headline of, you know, his PowerPoint presentation if people hadn't heard of him. 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, national champions. Like if he had, if he threw 20, if he threw 35 and six, it wouldn't have seemed as impressive. But my point, I guess, is how can you be sure about that? You know, Carson Wentz, you loved him, you loved his tape, you loved everything about him when you watched him even in his rookie year, 
and the, and clearly the jury is still way out on him. We don't know. It could end up being a big time bust. Wentz. Sure. It's just high risk, I think, taking a guy at that level that's played so few games. I, I think the Wentz stuff, of so much of what made him exciting to watch is what scares you to death as a coach because so much of the exciting stuff is, is what's going to get him hurt in the NFL. And, and that's some of the Trey Lance stuff. It's not uncommon to see Trey Lance put his shoulder down into a DB. Like, that's awesome on an FCS level, and and they, your guys love that. But when you start playing bigger, faster, stronger dudes, you, you don't want that. I I think he's an athlete enough to, to know how to make that adjustment. I mean, we would have thought Robert Griffin could slide. So I hope <laughs> to tell you, but... Yeah, I, I'm still I'm not off the fact that I loved Wentz and I still love some of the things that Wentz can do. And when you're talking about 17 games with the best team in FCS, and you're talking about Mac Jones in the FBS, but the competition's so much better. I realize that, but Alabama's so much better. Um. Yeah. I, and Kev, I, I like Mac Jones. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I, I dislike Mac, Mac Jones. And I'm also I'm not going to tell you that I think one of them will definitively be a better quarterback in the NFL. I think both of them have a really high potential to be good quarterbacks in the NFL. I just think Trey Lance fits more boxes for what the current system is in the league for a lot of teams. Maybe not San Francisco. You know, the one difference with Trey Lance that you don't see is they run under center a lot. And when you start talking about, man, Kyle likes Mac Jones because he's a play-action guy. Trey Lance is a really good under center play-action quarterback. So that would fit That would fit Kyle. More than any of these FBS guys, he's, he's under center. They run the I formation in North Dakota. Do you know in the championship game against James Madison the year that they they won it and he started all those 16 games that his box score was 6 of 10 for 72 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 30 carries, 181 yards. I mean, I'm just... They they could run it against JMU. (laughs) I I think there's some concerns. I do think there's some some concerns as far as, as Lance is a... A complete quarterback. It, it, you, you read any of the coaches stuff. I think his coaches were, were upset that he didn't come back and play this year. Um, I think the OC or the head coach said it, it would have benefited him. They they think that he can read defense and they he can see defense, but the NFL defenses are much more complex and it, they think that he'll adjust to it. But it would have helped him to be back again this year and play. All right. I I, that said, though, I don't fault any of the SDS guys to not play in the spring, getting ready for the draft. I don't either. I, I think that's a really good point. Um, all right. I want to take a break. When we come back, I want your overall evaluation of Lance, what he does well, what he doesn't do well, what you're current, concerned about, what you're sure about. And I want to do the same thing with Fields and Mac Jones. Those would be the three guys. I think it sounds to me like um, – 
you've never been off that they would continue to look and be aggressive if it made sense for the next quarterback. You said that from the beginning. Um, but you believe that ultimately it'll be harder to do and maybe they won't be able to do it. I definitely agree with you on the latter. I'm unsure about the former, but I'm starting to lean in your direction that they're they're not going to shy away from an opportunity if it presents itself for a player that they really believe in. And that's the other thing I want to ask you is, of the three, which would you guess that Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, etc., would believe in? We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get to each one of these three quarterbacks, Cooley, you, you think, and I just want to make sure I'm clear on this, that both Lance and Mac Jones would fit the San Francisco offensive scheme. Well, yeah, and I don't want to sit here and tell you that Justin Fields wouldn't fit the San Francisco scheme because I watched Kyle Shanahan adjust the scheme and Mike adjust the scheme to Robert Griffin. Anyone can fit any scheme. It's the coach's job to fit your scheme to the player. and You just have to really like the player. All right, um, let's start with Trey Lance. So it's. I wanted to start with this which I thought was funny before we get to any of these guys. It, you, you mentioned watching YouTube videos, and I remember starting this, the film breakdown stuff, what, seven years ago now? Yeah. My God, you can watch 100 people break down film on Trey Lance. <laughs> right. Everybody does it now. Everybody does it now. And some of it's so bad. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> so bad. But the nice aspect of it is, is you can actually watch game film. Mute. It's just amazing. You, you look up Trey Lance film breakdown, Trey Lance film, and there are video after video of randos breaking down Trey Lance film. <laughs> are there any, same any, as all, any of the all randos that you liked? I, some of it. I, I'm always interested. Even if I disagree, I, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I think some of it is fascinating to see what people think about balls, what think about reads, decisions, processes. What's the biggest mistake an amateur film breakdown guy makes? Knowing what the reads of the quarterback are, why he sees certain things, uh, getting prematurely excited about a guy, talking about, man, so he sees two, two shell here and he thinks that it's cover two, but then 
as the safety starts to rotate down, he, he, he adjusts post-snap to know that it's cover three, and you're like, the second split safety was split at eight yards. He ain't playing cover two in FCS, bro. We know it's definitely not cover two. He never had width or depth. He never had real width, and he never had depth. He, he's not going to play two from there. Morehead State doesn't do that. I don't know. I mean, in general, you know. But they they start to really give extra to certain things that he's doing or seeing, and you don't you don't need that. Uh, There there's a route that they run a post from the outside receiver, a wheel from the tight end on the inside, and then they have a fly sweep coming towards it. And he makes a heck of a throw to the post, low, beating two defenders. Like, this is the accuracy you want to see from Trey Lance. The wheel from the tight end is uncovered up the sideline for a touchdown. You're like, that is good accuracy. I would like him to just throw the easy touchdown to the tight end, who no one covered, who should have been in his eyesight. But we're going to overanalyze the accuracy of the throw. So I, I just think, you know, guys get really excited about a player and they'll take anything and show it or they'll, uh, they're elaborating what he really is in, t- in some of these situations. And in the example, exaggerating you, and in the example that you gave in the coach's meeting room on Monday, they would have said, what in God's name were you looking at? Yeah, really, really good throw to that receiver running that post. But you see the corner should have been in a third of the field falling off into the wheel. He just ran with the post. There's, there's nobody that covered the wheel. So next time, let's do that instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so here's the thing. Like, the first thing I, I like about Lance. I think technically, as far as footwork and as far as his mechanics, he's really sound. I think he makes really good movements in the pocket. I think he's subtle with his feet. He's quick with his feet. He keeps a wide base. He can move, feel pressure. I like that about Lance. And as good as he is at running, he doesn't just go one read to run. He can go one to two and check it down to number three. So I'm not afraid of his ability to move in the pocket, to stay alive and and maintain his presence in the pocket to make throws. Uh, I think that that's really, really good. I I think when you watch him run, when he does break the pocket or some of the QB screen stuff or QB draw stuff, he's like Josh Allen. He's incredibly athletic. He, He can move. He's a physical runner. He's a big dude who I think can take a hit or two down the field. And he's, he's fast, man. He's, he, this isn't just because it's FCS. He can, he can roll. Now, when you're watching all his highlight runs, if he's out playing in Alabama, people are going to start running him down. They're not going to be 50-yard runs. It might be a 20-yard run. So I don't want to get overcut up in his 1,000 yards. Um, Do you but see I, I, I will I would get overcut up in his ability to make some of the throws that he does, and, and and I think he's quick and decisive with everything that he does. That I don't care who he's playing against, who he's playing with. I think he's quick and decisive. 
I, I don't want to lose this thought, thought as a runner. Two things that just strike me in watching all the videos. He runs very upright. Um, and there's not a lot of sliding. There is, I'm going to run this guy over. I, I, I don't have a problem with that necessarily because he is a bigger, stronger dude. But he's got a very upright running style, not a, a shifty, elusive. He's got the shiftiness, don't get me wrong. And he's got the vision. You know, it's not Robert Griffin, straight line, doesn't see anything in his periphery. But he has like this upright running style. And I, I, yeah, no, I, I totally get you. I, I don't. So does Derrick Henry. If we want to evaluate runners, uh, uh, yes. So did Eric Dickerson, but but he's a quarterback. But I don't really want to. I really don't want to get overcut up in what he's doing running twenty two yards downfield. Okay. Like, I I think he can move and run. So Josh Allen has a high upright running style. When he's out of the when he's out of the pocket down the field, he's 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 upright. Mahomes, I, Mahomes, I like Rogers, and Russell, when they run, there's a, you know, I mean, in basketball mm-hmm. and in football too, play low, play low. There, there's like a playing low and an ability to not take a direct shot with vision and with style. And I see this guy when he runs, he de- he takes direct shots. But he anyway, gives the shot, and he delivers it too. Yes, sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I think the only thing, if I'm really looking at, at this as a, as a guy evaluating him as a, as a running quarterback, and I don't want to do what Baltimore's doing, I want to be San Francisco, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that as he really starts to read and learn NFL defenses, I can tell him, you're the check down. For the first year, two years, we need you to slide, but you just go. And he's athletic enough to just go. I don't think he's a sitting duck and he's going to be dead back there if he doesn't get it to the check down in three seconds. Yeah, go fucking go. Go make something happen. I, I love that about him because that buys me two years to continue to develop him as somebody that can truly read and anticipate defense. Okay. Does he struggle with that? So I, no, I don't think he struggles with it. But I also think that there's this, they did a very good job coaching him to where there's a ton, when you watch North Dakota State play, there's a ton of mirrored concepts, like same on both sides, pick a side and let's go with it. Uh, a lot of easy play action type concepts. They ran the ball so well that they got a, a lot of safety down in the box, safeties low type of deals where he could really just go ahead and trust it's one-on-one with a corner, go make the throw. So it, I'm not going to sit here and say there was a vast complexity to what they did on offense. But then you're saying, do I evaluate this scheme and knock him down because of the scheme, or do I evaluate what he's doing as a player? And I, I think there's some of both. But what he does as a player fits it perfectly. So I, I do think that he's quick. I do think even sometimes the ball's out quicker than I, he'd want. Like we talked about the great throw on the post when the wheel's open. Yeah, time, just hitch to the post and throw the wheel. I think that he anticipates pretty well. I think that he gets the ball out pretty well. Um, I think he throws a very good deep ball. I think he's inaccurate at 12 to 15, 12 to even within the five yards. He has this tendency to drive the ball down. Like when you start watching him throw, he's got a real over-the-top motion, and sometimes the ball will come down and almost handcuff receivers at, at the knees. Hmm. But I like that a lot of his misses are down, you know, as opposed to like the last – 
couple years with Dwayne Haskins where right. all his misses are high. Exactly. Because he's opening, like technically, his mechanics were so bad, he's opening his hips so high that all it could do is sail it. Like Lance is driving it so hard that the ball is almost diving sometimes. So his misses are more down. So I, I, I like that in Lance. I, look, I see a guy who's definitely, you're watching film of his redshirt freshman year. I mean, he, he, you're not seeing a long progression and a long development, but early as a as a redshirt freshman, he, he's doing everything you want him to do. He's making three, five, seven-step drops from under center. His timing's good. His anticipation's really good. He gets away with a couple things, and maybe that's in part the FCS thing, but it's not like he's getting away with everything. And he can run when he has to run. And he's a willing runner. I, I, lo- I love Lance. I think he's a, a really high-level prospect. Right system, right fit. Coach who's definitely going to believe in him. He'll be a good player. All right, so a couple of questions about him. Number one, um, I've seen you know a lot of video where he is definitely under center some, but he's in shotgun more. I mean, he's still like most college quarterbacks. You know, there are many, and I'm watching a few plays right now that are true play action and even bootleg from snap under centers that look like it would fit right. the Shanahan system. Um, but he, but he was under shotgun more. It would appear based on the highlights um, that he was under uh, shotgun more. So it's almost like Washington's offense. Okay. Where they're under shotgun, they're under the gun, or in the gun a lot more, but they still want to go under center. Yeah. He's just under center more than any other college quarterback right now. And he, lo- and he looks comfortable under center with all of the play action stuff, too. You know, like I'm watching really, a play. Really, really good. Yeah, I'm really lo- good with delivering play action fakes and stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at you know the the the, the what looks like sort of a fake handoff on a zone run look and him coming booting back and throwing deep to the tight end for a touchdown looks totally comfortable. By the way, you know, in many ways, I meant to mention this to you earlier on the running thing. He's a much better runner than this player, but you know how like. Teddy Bridgewater, when you watch him, plays very upright and throws very upright. There's a there's a style in the way he throws the ball that looks very Teddy Bridgewater to me. Not the same wind up or release necessarily, but the whole like the the whole positioning, the whole posture. Like he just is very upright. Anyway, that's just an observation. You said you would coach him, and I've of course heard you say this many times about. Robert's rookie year here that basically Mike and Kyle got to the point where they said it's one read and then you are the check down period that's how we're going to do it and all of a sudden you know it was a half of a field and if it wasn't there you know then he would take off and it worked with him but you don't think that this guy's a one read guy check down right no, and it wasn't always that Robert was a one-read checkdown. I guess what, what when I say like you become the checkdown is as soon as you feel uncomfortable or you don't see it go. Right. Like if you can make it through to two, three, and, and you're cool in the pocket right there, I, I think you're fine. But I think it was more like if, as I'm remembering some of these meetings that I was in, it was more like as soon as you don't like it, you're the checkdown. 
All right, just but they did give Robert a lot of one read throws, a lot of play action stuff. Where at most there's your one read, and then if you, you want to throw something over the top, like there's not more than two looks of it. Trey Lance, you really like, and you think he deserves to be a top ten quarterback in this draft? Yeah, I do. Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of those guys that you're like, gosh, the ability is unbelievable. And he can make some huge throws. I mean, you look at the semifinal game and you're just wowed. And that's the crazy thing is like these Ohio State quarterbacks, again, their offense is incredibly simplistic and they lose so many guys every year and almost every one of these quarterbacks whether it be under the new staff or urban meyer it was like maybe a little bit of a slow start but developed through the year to really excel in this type of offense that is is fairly simplistic um i i, I think the most uncertainty would be with fields of any of these guys as to who he is and who he's going to be. There's some incredibly accurate throws. There's some inaccurate throws. There's some throws where you look at it and go, no, don't no. But then he's got some, some runs where he's special. I I think fields is still a first round quarterback. I, I just think fields more than any of them probably needs another year. Just like I said about Dwayne. I think Fields is so much more accurate than Dwayne was at Ohio State. I would agree with that in terms of being more accurate. Dwayne was, was, is, is an inaccurate thrower of the football. I mean, the other thing about Fields is he can make every throw and he's got a very strong arm. I, I don't know what you know his pro day, and I think he's having another pro day, or he just had another pro day. I watched his whole pro day. What did you think of his pro day? Blown away. What <laughs> what blew you away? I mean, there's there's a throw he makes, and I like all these pro days now because they get through all the, you know, they'll throw the slant, they'll throw the hook, they'll throw the dig, they'll throw all these, and then then now all these guys are like, okay, now fake like you're getting out of the pocket, throwing the off-script ball 55 yards down the field. And he threw one ball that maybe was 60 yards down the field, hit the receiver in stride as he's running to his left. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. I thought he had a very good pro day. I think he only missed one throw in his whole pro day. You know the other thing? I mean, it's just like, here's the thing. So I, I haven't watched as much Fields as I watched Dwayne Haskins. I, I watched more Trey Lance than, than Fields by far. Large in part because you told me we were going to talk about Trey Lance today. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. Well, we, we'll do another deep dive, if you will, into Justin we Fields. We'll do a deep dive into Fields. Before the draft. Here's the thing that scares yeah. me about Fields. Yeah. Why does every team seem to think and every message seem to think that he struggles to see the field? I don't know because of a couple of the picks that he threw in big games, like the Clemson semifinal. Uh, it's more than that. They're, the, they're watching the year before, and it's more than that. It's it's more than that. It, it's the 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 deal of why Mac Jones goes from someone that 
was going to be number 20 to number three, and Fields goes from top five to number 10. It's all the hype stuff is out of it to the coaches to where now these guys are watching film and talking to whoever they're talking to. The Fields thing to me comes down to two games that he played last year. Three games in total. The Clemson game, the semifinal from the year before, where he drove them down the field and then threw the pick into the end zone on really what was a miscommunication with the receiver. But he had a really bad game against Indiana this year. Um, and I forget how many picks he threw, but he threw a ton of picks in that game, and they were life and death with Indiana and that left-handed freshman quarterback, Penix Jr. or whatever, who ended up tearing his ACL. Um, he, he did not look good. He was sacked. He was off. It was bad. The Northwestern uh, Big Ten title game, he was not good in at all. He looked very uncomfortable. Northwestern's defense was good all year long. Really good. And Trey Sermon, their running back, that was the game in which they basically just said, you know, they were down in that game and they gave the ball to Trey Sermon and he ended up carrying for, I think it was 340 yards in the game. He went well over 300. Like he was on his way to like 400 yards rushing in the game. And that won the game for Ohio State, you know, and, and clinched the, the playoff berth. But man, with, with basically injured ribs against Clemson, you know, six touchdowns, um, he was just phenomenal. He didn't. He barely missed a throw. I, I forget what the yardage was. I just know it was six touchdowns in the game. And then you go back to some of the games he had early in the year. Remember, he started off the year like uh, I think there were like two games where he had one game he was like nineteen of twenty. The next game, I'm pulling up his his log here because I want to make sure I get this right. Um, might as well get it accurate here. Uh, okay. So, in the opener against Nebraska this year, 20 of 21, okay, two touchdowns. They blew Nebraska out. Still, he was 20 of 21. Then against Penn State, 28 of 34, four touchdowns, no picks. Then against Rutgers, 24 of 28, five touchdowns, no picks. The first three games, Fields was like, here we go. He might be the Heisman Trophy winner. Then he had the real shitty game against Indiana that I was talking about. 18 of 30, 300 yards, but three interceptions in the game and five sacks. So I, I remember the interceptions. I don't think I remembered as many of the sacks. Then he had the Northwestern game, the Big Ten title game, 12 of 27, 114 yards, two, two interceptions. He looked totally uncomfortable in that game. And I remember after that game talking to one of my really good friends who's a big Ohio State guy, and I go, dude, I'm not into your guy now. I mean, come on. That's Northwestern. And, and Northwestern's defense, mm-hmm. trust me, was excellent this year. That was a good football team, you know, a much better football team than people even realized. They were excellent defensively. But then the game against Clemson, and you, what, one of the things I love about Fields is that he has got a big, strong arm. He can make throws more accurately than Dwayne, and he's clearly more mobile than Dwayne and a playmaker. Um, but the other thing that since the season ended that convinced me is all I've heard, with the exception of the Orlovsky conversation, is how respected he is, what a great work ethic he has, and what a great leader he was at Ohio State. And 
I don't know. I at the end of 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 the season. And by the way, I thought he played well against Alabama. It's just that you know they couldn't stop Alabama. You know they gave up whatever it was. Here it is, fifty two points in that game. Remember, it was twenty one fourteen, twenty one seventeen. They were going back and forth. Fields was good, and he was still not totally healthy. Um, and they lost the back early in that game. Trey Sermon, who had the big game against Northwestern, so. I don't know. I like. I kind of like Fields, but I'll let you do a much I, I like deeper fields, dive. I, I think. No, I like Fields, and we can do this on Monday, and I'll sit over the weekend and watch five or six games. Um, I just think Fields is probably the only guy that they're going to get after six or seven. Okay. So if if you're really interested in anyone, I I don't I just don't quite envision how they're getting up past six or seven or eight. Um, I I, I do. It's just and I and if you really believe that like one of these guys is your dude, and let's say Trey Lance was the guy that you loved, fell to four or five or six, whatever, then I can understand trading away picks for it. I can't. And they too. were willing to do that. They were willing to do that with Stafford, and I think that they've been willing to entertain trading also a player for one of these guys. The 49ers to move from um, twelve to three gave up, you know, two firsts, two future firsts, and a and a future third to swap. So they moved up nine spots. For the 2022 first, 2023 first, and a 2022 third to move up nine spots. Washington, if Lance fell, and it sounds to me like you don't think he's going to fall to an area that would make sense. Because to move from 19 to four is going to cost you even more with Atlanta. To move to. Well, the first, the first 12 spots aren't, aren't going to cost you as much as, as San Francisco. You know, to move from 19 to seven. It won't cost you as much as from 12 to 3. I understand that, but what I was saying is to go from 19 to 4, if San Francisco took Mac Jones and you thought it was your only chance to get Trey Lance, it's going to cost you every bit of that, of what the 49ers spent. It's going to cost you two first, a swap, whatever, second or whatever, and then try a player. That's right. Well, I don't even know about the player. It's going to cost you your 2022 first and your 2023 first and a, and probably your third this year, one of your two thirds this year, and, and minimum. So I'd ask you right now. Yeah, more like probably your second this year. Would, would you? Is that worth it to go get Lance at number four with Atlanta, who said that they are willing to trade that pick? <laughs> He's good. Well... <laughs> If you were yeah, totally I mean, in love with him, know, so okay, so let's do. Let, let me just say this to you this way: I think Trey Lance is a really good player. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think if I was willing to vouch on that, I would want to watch every game eleven times. I would want to meet with him. I would want to talk to him. I would want to spend time with him. I mean, if they're doing that and saying, "We saw what Chris saw in two hours of watching him." And then watched another hundred hours and confirmed it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so. I would do it. Mm-hmm. And you're also saying to yourself, we think the t- next year's first is going to be around the twentieth. And then if he's the guy we think he is, the next year's first is going to be like the twenty sixth or twenty seventh pick of the draft. 
we think that we're giving you late first. The quarterback position is, it's got to be there for you, Kev. And then the nice thing is, is if you really, if you really thought Fitzpatrick would be the guy this year and you thought, man, Lance has been out for a year. He's only played 17 games. We're fine with one year with Fitzpatrick. We want him to learn for a year. We don't want to put him into a situation that's not perfect for him. I actually don't care if they trade all those picks and play Fitzpatrick for a year. Yeah, I mean, it, you know. Look at these teams that win, and it's the, they win because the quarterback's good for 10 years. Not for one. And it's really just that position. That position is good for 10 years. That's how you keep winning. Yeah, yeah, I do it. We've talked about this a lot. Bottom line is, over the last 10, 11 years, if you get drafted in the top half of the first round, unless you're Mahomes or I think it was Locker or somebody else, you play in the first five games of your rookie year. You're in the starting lineup. You know, and I think Tunga Bailoa maybe 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 came in in week seven last year. Um, that was sort of a pre last year thing. I mean, that's just the nature of the game now. But Mahomes sat for a year behind Alex Smith. Turned out pretty well. But I still contend that if Mahomes had played in his rookie year, they probably would have won the Super Bowl or gotten to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm I'm completely with you. And keep in mind, they didn't have to give away two future firsts and uh, this year's third to get to Mahomes. Uh, no, they had to give up, uh, God, I looked this up the other day. I'm doing it right now. Um, when they traded from 27 to 11, uh, right. It was 27 to 11. What did they give up? Andy Reid give up to get that. Uh, they got or uh, 27 to 10. They gave up the third, a third rounder, a first rounder the following year. Um, that's it. That's all they gave up. To move up 17 spots, they gave up uh, an additional first and a third. I thought it was more than that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, that's. Um, but you, but no, and uh, by the way, one know, other. It's funny. One, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say it, it's it's funny because <laughs> you're sitting here looking at these guys. There is a chance that. Two of them can fall. I, I don't think it'll happen just because of what I, I see in the talent in the first 10 picks. And the other thing is you could make these inquiries and make the inquiries in barely leaking that you were going up to get a quarterback just to see what it's going to take you to go up to get to 7, 8, or 9 if someone like Pitts fell or if somebody like Micah Parsons fell. And you don't want to tell anybody where you're going with that pick. Or you might want to get one of these receivers at 10. I doubt that's what they would do. I, d- I doubt that, too. But, I, I mean, mean, the interest in going up is, is definitely there. Although the Pitts thing, you know, if it, uh, by, by the way, I wanted, to, I wanted to remind you and everybody else, this is my opinion anyway, and I, I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with it, but number 10 is Dallas, number 11 is the Giants, and number 12 is Philadelphia. So the bottom line is you're not trading with any one of those three teams to move up to take anybody that falls to those spots. If you're going to trade up to get Lance or Fields if or Jones, um, if they fall, it's going to be with Detroit at seven, or it's going to be with Atlanta at four, which is pricey, 
it's going to be with Detroit at seven or it's going to be with Carolina at eight because Carolina got Darnold and they're picking up his option here shortly and they've decided that's the direction they're going to go at QB. you got to get ahead of Denver at nine because Denver's definitely in the QB market. Now, if Pitts fell to nine, you know... He won't. I don't think he will either. I just think that he's... I think many people have made the case that he could be the number one overall player on people's draft boards. And so if he... Yeah, he, he's not he's not going to fall to nine. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if someone didn't want to make the big trade up that Atlanta just takes him at four. Yeah, that's what I think. God, put that, him with that's Jones That's a really hard Ridley. situation for Atlanta to be in because San Francisco is going to take either Lance or Jones at three. Do you want the other one at four? To sit to, to 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 do what? Sit behind Matt Ryan for three years? Matt Ryan's got three years left minimum. He's thirty five years old. Well, everyone thought that Lana was gonna take a quarterback. I know, but I never understood that. I don't understand it either, Kev. I, I, I think if you put Matt Ryan on the market, it's probably just short of what Stafford got. It's not. It might. It may not be short of what Stafford got. It. It could be equal to it. The only be just short of it. The only difference between that's so interesting because Matt Ryan's obviously had much more success postseason wise, record wise than Stafford. I, I think I agree with you. I've always been a Stafford guy, but I also like Matt Ryan a lot. And if you give him Kyle Pitts to go with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, that offense and was and and Hayden Hurst and. They've got Mike Davis in the backfield. They could use, you know, probably another running back, but um, that's going to be a lethal offense. It's already been lethal at times over the last couple of years. They just haven't had a defense. And you made this point to me that, you know, are you really going to saddle Arthur Smith in his first year as a head coach with a quarterback, you know, controversy by taking a quarterback at number four when you've got, you know, a borderline future Hall of Famer at 35 years old on your roster, who has really shown no signs, has he, Matt Ryan, of no. getting worse? No, no. They've just been – it's almost like the Kirk Cousins and D.C. argument. They've just been so bad on defense, they didn't give him a chance. Yeah. I mean, they, they have. They've been horrendous on defense over the last couple of years. Um, did you have anything on Mac Jones, or do you want to hold off on that one as well? Like, here's the thing with Mac Jones. So okay, I've, can, I've watched a lot of them. Right, a lot of the Mac Jones. Stuff. I want to do that. And we can I, do more. But uh, okay, but not I, the whole deal. All right, I want you to do it right after this word from one of our sponsors. Uh, before we finish up with your thoughts on Mac Jones, I did want to mention something because I was just looking this up um, during the break. So Matt Ryan's 2021 cap number. Um, had become the largest in the NFL because of the Roethlisberger restructure. $21 million of Ryan's 2021 base salary became fully guaranteed, um, and, uh, and it's, 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 a, it's a big number. But listen to his 2022 and 2023 cap numbers. His 2022 cap number is $48.6 million. And then the 2023 number is $43.6 million. Ryan has the NFL's largest cap number for 2022. So you're moving on. Yeah. Now, 
one of the reasons that it was going to be painful for him to be a tradable asset in this offseason would have been the massive cap hit they would have taken with a trade because of the accelerated um, mm-hmm. bonus uh, you know, n- numbers. Which, when looking at that earlier, I remember, you know, I remember early on in the Stafford conversations before he got dealt, thinking, well, what if Atlanta wants to take a quarterback and they're willing to deal Ryan? Stafford was a much, much less painful move for Detroit. Atlanta, it would be very painful from a cap standpoint to deal him. Not that we haven't seen it, because we obviously saw it with Wentz. Philadelphia said, to hell with it, we'll take the pain this year, but we're dealing him, which they did. But Atlanta's not dealing Ryan. That would have happened already. I just I, I think the, the the fourth pick is like this dilemma for Atlanta. Are they going to mm-hmm. take the quarterback and move on from Ryan before next year? Maybe that's true. But they've got a quarterback that they could restructure moving forward that's still got a lot of good football left. And by the way, as a Washington fan, I would love Matt Ryan with 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 a good team around him. A good defense and a good team around him. Not in the same way that I would have loved Stafford, but pretty close. But anyway. Um, no, I, I mean, I think that that's also a conversation you have with Matt Ryan. Right. Hey, what, do you, what are you before willing we get to, to do? Four here, do you want to be here for the next five years? Because we, we love you, but we're not going to take a cap hit of $40 million. We, right. can, we can't do that. We can't. We can't give you anything if we do that. We can't sign Calvin Ridley next year like we need to. We're going to have to pay number four the tight end that you want. Let's fix it. Let's fix it. Or if you you really can't, we'd like to know now because I'm sure that there's enough between the two parties, even though it's a new GM and new head coach, that there's enough in Atlanta that Matt Ryan probably wants to stay in Atlanta. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm sitting here thinking about this as we're talking too. Because back to back to Washington, like, all it seems Ron's tried to do is re- recreate Carolina's success. Now, you look at the the fifteen and one season to the Super Bowl. Like, they had a mobile quarterback, and they've continued to want mobile quarterbacks. Guys like Allen Heineke's a mobile quarterback. They want a guy that can move around a little bit. Ryan Fitzpatrick can move around. Yeah, he can, and he can. But like, that's why they like Lance more than anybody. That's why they might they like Fields like too. It is, it is, it is why they might like Fields as well, and they might get Fields. I don't think I think that's the only guy. Um, we were going to talk about Mac Jones. Yeah. Have you ever? Is it not? It's amazing to me that the guy completed 77% of his passes for 4,500 yards, and everyone's scoffing at it like, eh, well, it's Alabama. <laughs> He's the 20th overall. Right. He completed 80% of his passes in the national championship for 400-whatever yards. Five touchdowns, no pick. Mm-hmm. Any other quarterback in any other year would have been the number one overall. <laughs> like, well, he's, uh, he doesn't have that strong of an arm. Would be then he must be the best anticipating quarterback of all time because he's completing eighty percent of his passes without a strong arm. You're not just lobbing one in there a half a second late and getting completions because your receivers are good. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's wild. Where you I, 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 I don't know. Mac what... Jones can't. I don't know what he ran as a four in his forties, but like, oh, he's a five five guy. Okay, well, you watch the combine with. 
that the, in the bubble, not one person came in for our radio station in three years and ran under a five flat. It's not like five flats fast in the NFL, but it's sure not slow for a quarterback. For a quarterback, too, it's five flats, not slow. I uh, look not Jared Lorenzo. He, he um. You know, against the better defensive teams they faced this year in the SEC, you know, whether it was Kentucky or Auburn or Georgia, as an example, he just shredded those teams. Shredded them. He threw for over 400 against Georgia. Kentucky's the game that he, um, they won 63-3, to so it's not like he had to do a lot. But it was like, I think, hold on for a second, I want to do this again. He threw for 230. 230? 16-24 for 230 yards. Yeah, so it wasn't one of his better games. It's funny, Kentucky last year was one of these teams that actually was in the SEC a good defensive team. Um, But, you know, not against Bama. No, not against Bama. I I mean, the one thing you you definitely, I know about Mac Jones is if you want to talk about straight decision-making, he's probably won. Over anybody, mm-hmm. but also, it was easier to make decisions. Like I've said for a few years with Alex Smith, when once he had Tariq Hill, and then Kelsey, and you know that number one wins right now or doesn't, it's a lot easier to get to number two. You don't have to think does one finish and, and get a win. He either wins or loses right now. So there is that aspect of it. But I think everybody that's talked to Mac Jones and looked at him. And then I think in talking to, not me, but people that have talked to that Alabama staff, it was like we could put more on Mac Jones than ever, ever we've ever had anyone take. We give him all of it, and he handled it. And that's what a lot of NFL coaches like. Right. Like, I mean, look, he's, there are two starters in the NFL, Tua Tungavailoa and Jalen Hurts, in the upcoming season that just played for Bama. So they like NFL coaches have had a lot of conversations with Alabama people, even the offensive coordinators that they've changed, whether it was Sarkeesian or Loxley or, or whomever. They're talking to Saban too, and do you think that they say something like, uh, "Yeah, Mac Jones, light years ahead of the other two in really understanding everything." Yeah, and do you think that anyone would trust Nick Saban because because does he have to lie about first round picks to help guys out? No, no. He only cares about his reputation at that point. So if Nick Saban says decision maker best I've ever seen, you say, believe it. I believe it wholeheartedly. And Nick Saban's word would go a long way with this. And the other thing is, you don't complete seventy-seven percent of your passes without being an accurate passer. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot to Mac Jones. Maybe he is three. <laughs> I think Samford's best. That's funny. You just talk I think silly. I think both Jones and Lance are are, are really good players. I, I do. I think I think there are four guys that are essentially one A type players. I, I mean, maybe you say Lance isn't one A, but he's got more pure potential. And then, and then you think I think Fields would be the one B. So you're, you're, Mac, put him in order right now. Lauren, and you haven't done. You're going to do more on Fields. 
You're going to, I mean, you know Lawrence's game. Um, put him in the order that you would put him on your draft board, the, the, the top five guys. Lawrence won, right? I think he, Lawrence won, and Lawrence does a lot of things really, really well. I mean, he does. He, his, his feet are great. He's exceptional in terms of throwing the ball. He's got a ton of arms. Lawrence, I think you put it one. Um, is Wilson, Wilson too? And what he did as far as I, I'm sure of it, in his ability to move and do things is probably two. I, I have a hard time right now with Jones and Lance without watching more, but I, I don't have a problem with either of them being three. We'll have plenty of time to do a lot more on this stuff, but you know today what it's we fun. did. They're all good though. Yeah, they are good. They're good quarterbacks. Well, well like, we I don't got... think like last year. I didn't think there was a first round quarterback. Or wait, what, the, the, the no, 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 other, no, no, other than Murray. Murray was a first round. No, 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 that's two years ago. Burrow last year. You loved two years Burrow. Ago. Yeah, no, two two years ago. I didn't. Other than Murray, I didn't think any of them. Oh, two years ago. No, that's true. You didn't. Murray was the I only didn't one. I think Daniel Jones was a first rounder. Out of necessity, I mean, in the quarterback position, you, they become one. But I, I think that they were second round picks. I think you got these first four for sure in Fields are all first rounders, no doubt. You know, one other quick question: Would you bail on Drew Locke? Drew Locke, like Denver appears to be ready to do. No, I liked Drew Locke a lot. I, I think that there's definitely some concern for Locke in terms of being a consistent player. Yeah, I'd, I'd sure want to have him in an offense that I'd want to see him one more year with those receivers that they drafted last year in an, a, a, another year of an offense that he understands. I think Lockman can make plays. I think he's a playmaker. I think he's got guts. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that happens so quickly. I mean, it almost it's not that it started with the Arizona Cardinals bailing on Rosen quickly and going Murray. Obviously, that appears to be the right decision. But if Denver bails on Locke, now Locke wasn't you know a first round pick or a top ten pick. He was a second round pick, obviously. But um, if they bail on him that quickly, that I just think that's interesting. Remember, they they almost they, there was talk last year that they liked uh, Mark Rippon's nephew more than Locke. Brett. Um, yeah. Uh, so they have enough weapons. And at number nine, if they don't take a quarterback, God, can you imagine? Somebody mentioned this on, on the phone lines the other day, adding Micah Parsons to Chubb and Von Miller on that defense, um, which is already. Well, one thing Elway's been able to do as a former quarterback is build a good defense. <laughs> and didn't, he stepped out, didn't he? he yeah, he's, away. he's done. Vic Fangio is the brains behind the defensive operation there. As you know, but I'm building the team forever was always Elway. All right. Um, so we'll, we'll, you went deep into fields, which was great. Uh, not fields. You went deep into Trey right. Lance today um, for the, your your first true draft quarterback breakdown. We got a lot more to go, and we'll have many many more days between now. And the uh, uh, the 28th or whatever day that is. Uh, we're less than three weeks away. In fact, we'll, we're three weeks away from uh, day three of the NFL draft. So we'll have a lot more of the Cooley film breakdowns and discussions of the prospects. Net-net, I'm not convinced Washington wants to trade up, but I'm not totally unconvinced either. Um, and if they did love somebody and they really thought that they could go get him, you know, in the draft, I'd be all for it. Even though I'm excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
I am. I'm excited about Fitzpatrick, but if they love Trey Lance or they if they love Justin Fields and they can trade up to eight with Carolina and they get their quarterback and they get the guy that they are absolutely convinced is going to be the guy for the next ten plus years, I'm I'm going to be all for it. You got to have that guy. I'm not suggesting they have that guy with Ryan Fitzpatrick. All I've said is I'm excited to see him play for us, and and I think it'll be the most dynamic we've been offensively with him at quarterback in several years. But he's not the long-term answer, obviously. By the way, he had a great outfit on at the Masters yesterday. Did you see any of those pictures? I I didn't see Fitzpatrick, but I'm going to look it up right when we go. Well, yeah, he, uh, he was just chilling at the Masters yesterday. Um, all right, man, thanks for doing this. I'll talk to you Monday. See you, Kevin. Have a great rest of the weekend. Cooley and I will be back on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.